All right. Well, I'm really glad to have you today on this special weekend where we commemorate the legacy of both as a church and as a nation of a man who I, I think really is deserving of honor, and that is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And this is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. And uh, as many of you know, King devoted his life to racial equality. He led the charge for the civil rights movement in America. But first and foremost, King was a pastor. Did you know that? Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He was a pastor. And what I love is that as a pastor, he challenged Christians to overcome racial division. He wrote a letter to Christians And this is what he said. He said that segregation is a blatant denial of the unity we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? Isn't it amazing that King's message is just as relevant today as it was 60 years ago? We're in a series here at Hope called Church United. And uh, we're looking at this issue of unity in the church. And it could feel like the world around us is so divided. We want to be a united church for the divided world. We started this series by looking at John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, we hear Jesus' high priestly prayer. Jesus is hours before going to the cross. He's hours away from shedding his blood for the sins of the world. And, and he begins to pray. And he prays for those who will come to believe in his message. He prays for us. He prays for you. He prays for me. He prays for his church. He asks the Father that we will be one. So racial unity in the church is not just King's dream. It is Jesus' prayer. We want to be the answer to that prayer. I believe, church family, we have an amazing opportunity as followers of Jesus Christ, to demonstrate to the world racial unity and equality and reconciliation because of Jesus, because of the power of the gospel to transform our lives. Whatever whatever your background today, whatever the color of our skin, we are united in Christ. We are One family. We are brothers and sisters. Do you believe that today? Many of you know the story of of our family, of the Vincent family. We are a family through adoption. We are a multiracial family. I love the story of our family. I wouldn't want it any other way. But something happens, and some of you know this, when you begin to live life in a A multiracial family, it changes how you see the world. It changes your perspective on life. And and I just want to give you one one little example here. Our family has a nightly routine where before we put the kids to bed, we always uh, gather around our bed and all the kids jump on the bed. And then we pull out our children's Bible and we pray together as a family. And one time we had this children's Bible. We began reading through these stories, and we began to notice something. We began to notice this. Put up the the picture up there. We started to notice that every Bible character had white skin. Like, look at that. You notice that? Like, Jesus is white, Adam and Eve are white. And it just got me thinking. There is no way that people 
living in that part of the world at that time had that white of skin, right? Like, that's just probably not very realistic. And, and I got to be honest with you. I probably never would have noticed this. But for the fact that God expanded my family. And we began to just, I love the Bible. But you know what? This Bible, it's not for our family. It's not for the Vincent family. How about our church family? How about for a church united? What do you guys think? See, what I want to show you today is that God has something so much more beautiful for us than what we see in that picture. God has adopted us, every one of us, into a beautiful family of faith. And it's not just a family with this sameness, but it is a a uniqueness and a diversity of people that are all melded into this beautiful unity. And it all brings glory to God. And I want that for us. I want that for my kids. I want that for our children's Bibles. I want that for the world. When we get a vision for the diversity of God's family, listen, God didn't just expand the Vincent family. God has expanded our family. We as the family of God, he has made us a beautifully diverse family. And when we get a vision for the diversity of God's family, which is our family, something powerful happens. It changes our perspective. It changes what we desire for the world. It changes us. And some of you know this, that we cannot live in a family with this kind of diversity and be the same. We just can't. The vision I'm asking us to embrace today comes from the Bible. It comes from Revelation chapter 7. If you have your Bible, will you open it up with me to Revelation chapter 7? And if you'll pick it up with me in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 7. So, so in the book of Revelation, John, who wrote it, is caught up into heaven. He gets a a glimpse of the heavenly reality of our faith. And we're going to get to to peek into that heavenly reality today. We get to pull back the curtain and to look into heaven and to see our destination as the people of God. That's what we're we're going to look at. And, And so stunning is this vision that if we allow this vision into our heart and into our soul, it will actually change the way that we look at racial unity and reconciliation in the church. So take a look at this with me. Revelation 7, 9. This is a glimpse of heaven. This is where we're headed as the people of God. Verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne. So here come the heavenly host. Here's the multitude. Now they join with all the angels of heaven. Just imagine this. All the elders, the four living creatures, that harkens back to chapter 4. 
You can read this week. They fell down, it says, on their faces before the throne. And they worshiped God. And here's what they sang. Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? And where do they come from? I answered, sir, you know. He said, these are they who've come out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Christ who has saved us. The precious blood that he shed so that we could be forgiven and have a new life. And Father, I pray today in this Martin Luther King Jr. weekend that we would be one. Even as you and the Father are one, help us not only as a church, but as Christians globally, help us to walk in the unity envisioned by this chapter of Scripture. Do a powerful work in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to walk through this. Uh, vision of heaven, John provides us in Revelation. Uh, if we could look into heaven right now, Imagine peeking into heaven right now. What would we see? And how does this impact racial unity? Number one, we see in heaven a diversity of people. This is so cool. I love this. We see in heaven a beautiful diversity. Check it out. Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So John looks, and what does he see? He sees people. He sees people who have trusted Jesus. They have followed the Lamb wherever he goes. He sees a great multitude that no one can count. This echoes back to God's promise to Abraham and the patriarchs. Do you remember that? Uh, back in, in the book of Genesis, we're going from the last book of the Bible to the first book of the Bible. Genesis 15, 5. The Lord took Abram outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said, So shall your offspring bring. God's saying to Abraham, You will have a great multitude that no one can count. And then he repeats that again throughout Genesis. Here's another one, Genesis 26, 4. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, who will be blessed? Who? All, all nations on earth will be blessed. God's saying to Abraham, through your family, through Jesus, your descendant, all nations, tongues, tribes, languages, peoples on earth will be blessed. That's the vision of the future that God has given us today. Have you ever looked up at the sky to try to count the stars? Here in Willow Grove, not too hard. I can do that. One, two, three. Oh, nope, that's a plane. There's only one star. 
But I've also been to some places where at night there is no light. You ever been somewhere like that? And you look up to see a dark night sky awash with a beautiful canvas of stars. God says to Abraham, that's what your family is going to be like. It's going to be a great multitude that no one can count. And all nations on earth will be blessed. John sees the fulfillment of this promise in the book of Revelation. Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked, there before me was a great multitude that no one can count. Now you hear the promise given to Abraham. Where do these people come from? It says, from every nation, tribe, people, and language. If you don't like diversity, you're really not going to like heaven. <laughs> there are going to be people from all over the world. Africa, Asia, China, Guatemala, Cuba, Papua New Guinea, Transnistria, North America. Oh, people from all over the world, every tribe, every nation, tongue and language will be gathered together for one epic worship service. Can you imagine? A multitude that no one can count singing in one voice to the Lamb. Some of you have fingers right now. They're there. They're singing this song. This is where, this is where the world is going. We're going to worship together as one congregation. And God will be glorified by the sheer diversity of those who've come to worship Him. We see in heaven a diversity of people. In other words, heaven is not colorblind. John looks into heaven, he doesn't just see people. He sees people from every tongue, tribe, language, nation. Now, I know what we mean when we say colorblind. When we say colorblind, usually mean to say, I I'm not prejudiced. I'm not going to judge you by the color of your skin, but in the words of Martin Luther King Jr., but by the content of your character. To that we all say, yes and amen. Right? That's awesome. That's what we want to do. And that's a good thing. But if by colorblind you mean, I don't see your color, I don't see your ethnicity, <laughs> you'd have to be blind to not notice when our family's walking around that I'm white and my son Hudson is African American. Made in the image of God. Now, we don't find our identity in that, but we don't ignore that either. Because God has created us in all of our diversity for his glory. We see in heaven a diversity of people. God does not call us to be colorblind because heaven is colorful. So we, we celebrate that and we give glory to God for that. It's a beautiful thing. We see in heaven, number one, a diversity of people. Number two, we see in heaven a lamb at the center. Isn't this awesome? What's at the center of this multitude? What has the power to unite people? What gives us a vision for racial unity? I think this is a beautiful picture. I think a lot of us would love to live in a world like this, 
where we see this kind of unity across racial and ethnic lines. We want this world. But I have to ask, in the world that we live in today, where there's so much anger and there's so much distrust, what actually has the power to unite us? What can actually get us to this unity? And I got to be honest with you today, I kind of worry that some of the messages that we're hearing in culture today don't actually get us to unity. So I'm hearing today that, that white people will always be oppressors, that we will always be racist because racism benefits white people. Some people in culture are saying that, that minorities will always be oppressed. They will always be at a disadvantage. I heard, I heard our president say earlier this week, who ran as the great unifier, that he, he called his political opponents segregationalists. Is this the way to unity? Is this how we get there? Or, or, or maybe, you know, what is the way to unity? Is it anti-racism education? Should we all support Black Lives Matter? Perhaps it's divesting ourselves of whiteness or white privilege or white fragility. Ibram X. Kennedy in his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, states, the only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. So the only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy for present discrimination is future discrimination. Now, I don't know what you think about all this conversation going on in our culture today, but I think we can all agree this isn't getting us to unity. What has the power to unite us? You want to see a vision of the future that has the power to unite us? Take a look at Revelation chapter 7. Because I see people from every tongue, tribe, language, nation, ethnicity, race, all united around something. What I want to show you today, that there really is only one foundation for their, our unity. There is only one power to reconcile humanity and all of its diversity. And it has at its center a lamb who was slain. Some of these theories maybe can help us understand our past or how we got to our present, but there is only one vision of the future for a united humanity across all ethnic groups globally, and it comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the only vision, this is the only power that can unite humanity with all of its diversity. We see in heaven... A lamb at the center. This is so important, church family. Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We see in heaven, what do we see? Peel back the curtain. We see at the center of it all, God's throne and a Lamb 
at the center. Everything in heaven revolves around the Lamb. The Lamb is, of course, John's picture for Jesus. Jesus, like those lambs in the Old Testament, offered his life as a sacrifice for sin. But unlike those lambs in the Old Testament, Jesus gave his life as the perfect sacrifice. By his precious blood, he took care of sin once and for all. So this is pretty amazing, guys. Our forgiveness before God does not depend on us offering up all these impure sacrifices, but it only depends on trusting in the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's another way Jesus isn't like those Old Testament lambs. He rose in victory. They didn't see that one before. Whoa, wow. <laughs> didn't see that one. Book of Revelation calls Jesus the living one. He once was dead, but he is now alive forevermore. And there is only one way to, to eternal life. There's only one way to a life-changing relationship with God. And that's through the precious blood of the Lamb. How do you think this great multitude got to heaven? They got there by trusting in the Lamb. That's the only way to have access to the very throne room of God, to the very presence of God. It is the blood of the Lamb. The picture is the Old Testament tabernacle. It's through the blood of the Lamb that gets us into the very throne room of heaven where we get to say, holy, 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 worthy is the Lord God Almighty. Someone asked John, who are these? Where do they come from? John replies in Revelation 7, 14, I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who've come out of the great tribulation. They've won the victory in Christ, right? They, they, they won the victory. They, they made it through the great tribulation. We all go through different tribulations. It leads up to a great tribulation at the end of history. Look at this. Where do they come from? They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. What is the power to unite people from every tongue, tribe, nation? Where do we find a vision for this? can help us reach that sure well it's right here at the center of this great multitude we find the gospel we find a lamb who was slain last one we see in heaven a diversity of people a lamb at the center last one we see in heaven a unity in worship this is really cool can you imagine being a part of this this congregation this is where we're going. In eternity, um, we see in this passage, in eternity, we will be diverse in our ethnicity, but we'll be united in our worship. This is going to be amazing, isn't it? Revelation 7, 9, and 10. Just feel the energy of this moment. 
They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Wow. So when we get to heaven, we're all going to worship God as one. This is going to be so cool. It's not like there's going to be the, the black section and the white section and the Latino section and the Asian section. Maybe, maybe we get some breakout rooms. And I know I'm going to visit some of those sections. But let me tell you something. We are all going to be united as one. One congregation, right? A multi-ethnic harmony of voices celebrating the victory of the Lamb. That's where we're going. But what an amazing moment that's going to be. And I guess my question today is, if this is what heaven will look like, why shouldn't our churches look like this? If this is where we're going, why, let's just start doing this now. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. once famously said, and, and we've all heard these words in different ways, but it still rings true. He said, we must face the sad fact that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning when we stand to sing, we stand in the most segregated hour of America. And I just praise God that's, you know, that's changing. And we see, we see God even doing you know, that here at Hope. Um, but how different is that from Revelation chapter 7, right? I think that's my point here. We don't see any prejudice in heaven. We don't see segregation in heaven. We don't see racism in heaven. And then what does Jesus tell us to pray? Your kingdom come on earth, right? As it is in heaven. We see in heaven a unity of worship. Why can't we see this on earth? Um, and some of us have had these, these experiences, right, of a foretaste of heaven. I was thinking about Angie and I years ago. We were in Haiti on a mission trip. And I don't know if you've ever gotten to worship in another country or another culture, but it really is an incredible experience. And uh, we were there, and Sunday morning, our whole team gathered with our Haitian brothers and sisters. And, and let me tell you, they can worship. And uh, we had some people from, from our team and some of their team. They put together a song where we could all worship together as one. And they were like jamming in Creole. And we were singing in Creole. And we were jamming in English and singing in English about the power of the blood of Jesus. It was, it was like a prelude to heaven. That's all I can say. And we would look around the room and you could see people from, from different nations and tribes and races and ethnicities all singing praises to Jesus. What an amazing experience. It was like a foretaste of heaven, a Revelation 7 vision. Have you ever experienced that? Pretty amazing. I actually pray for more of that. I want to experience more of that because that's what heaven's like. So what could that look like? Um, a couple of things. It could look like diversity in our churches as God gives us opportunity. For me, what does this look like? It means sometimes I want to go worship in a space where I'm the minority. And I've had blessings to do that, to actually experience worship in a different culture or a different context. And I want to put myself in those situations. Maybe it could be diversity in our friendships, building those relational bridges. It could be, it could be a change of heart now because the same gospel that brought us to God makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. What good is vision if we have not love, right? Let us love one another. 
And I just choose to believe today that we are more than oppressed and oppressors through Jesus Christ. We're actually brothers and sisters in Christ. So let us love one another as brothers and sisters. That's our identity. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's love one another. So how do we walk in racial reconciliation? I don't have all the answers to the racial issues in our culture today. I really don't. Um, but I have a vision. We have a vision. King had a dream. We have a vision. And at the center of that vision is Jesus Christ. So we see in heaven what? A diversity of people, a lamb at the center, and unity in worship. One of the ways we get to get a foretaste of heaven, one of the ways this becomes a powerful reality for us today is through the Lord's Supper. We're all going to come around the same table and we're going to share a little meal together. Jesus designed this table as a picture of our unity in heaven. And, and the ground is level at the foot of the cross, isn't it? We all come as sinners who are separated by God, who put our trust in Jesus, who has reconciled us both to the Father and to one another. And so we come today reconciled. We, we, Jesus has done the work of racial reconciliation. We just need to walk in that unity. And communion is a place where we get to do that.